Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. You are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Healing is a part of the atonement of Christ. God wants you well. How can you doubt that you'll get it if you've already got it? You're already blessed. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Again today, I am teaching from our lodge in Woodland Park. This is on our campus of our Karis Bible College. And the reason for this is because we are moving our offices from Colorado Springs, Colorado, up to Woodland Park, Colorado. We've uh, purchased a building there doing a $2.2 million renovation, and we had to tear down our set. And so this is our temporary place. This is the lodge that God has given us on our property. Right before I get back into teaching on uh, who told you that you were naked, let me just offer a little explanation. I've said often on our program that we have now built over $80 million worth of facilities in Woodland Park, Colorado, debt-free. And that's absolutely true. And on November the 3rd, we actually had our building dedication with Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland. Man, what a blessing it was. And so God has done great things. But I've always talked about how I did this debt-free. Well, I got into a problem, and this is just in a way of explanation. If you would like uh, the full deal, you can go to our website. And I've got a letter that I've sent out to people that we will have on our website, and it will explain it in its full detail. But the city of Woodland Park was saying that we could have no more building, we could have no more construction until we got a parking garage or we solved our parking situation. If you've ever been to any of our conferences here in Woodland Park, man, we do have a parking problem. We just got through with the Healing is Here conference where we had 1,700 people here. Our auditorium at the barn uh, only seated, uh, I think, 12, 1,300. We had people all over the place watching on closed circuit television. We've now dedicated our new auditorium, so that problem is solved. But the parking, uh, we have people parked all over the place. So anyway, I had a man who was going to do the parking garage uh, at his cost, he's built over $2 billion worth of parking garages. So this wasn't a frivolous offer. He was sincere. He meant good. And because of that, we had to produce plans for the parking garage, which were $400,000 for the plans, because he had to take these plans to his investors to raise the money. And we had to start doing some other things. We had to move a water line. We had to do site work. And before you knew it, I'd spent a couple of million dollars, which was all going to be returned to us when he built the parking garage. But when he went to his investors, they weren't used to dealing with nonprofits. They were scared. They put restrictions on what they were going to do. And it turned out that it would have been worse than taking out a loan. And so the long and the short of it is I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, by the time we did that, we were already uh, committed to millions of dollars worth of stuff that I was on the hook for. Plus, I was just going to stop, and I found out that the things that had already been done, these precast uh, panels and stuff, couldn't be stored. We were going to lose all the money we had spent on that. There was a moratorium on building until we got the parking garage finished. 
And anyway, my, the long and the short of it is, I wound up having to take out a loan for the parking garage. Now, we are in the process of trying to, uh, you know, pay the rest of it without a loan. We don't have to use the whole loan, and I am trying to uh, wipe out the money that I've already spent, but I just felt like I needed to give an explanation of what's happened. This is a temporary situation. I'm getting out of it as soon as possible. But since I've made a point of saying that we were doing everything debt-free, I wanted to explain that. So anyway, let me get back into this teaching on who told you that you were naked. This is now the middle of my second week. I've already covered so much material. I just haven't got time to go back through it. But here's the long and the short of it. God did not make Adam and Eve with a conscience. They were innocent. They had no conscience that told them they were right or wrong on anything because there was nothing that they... Uh, God had not told them not to do anything. There was no reason for a conscience. But when they violated God's instructions about not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe that they got a conscience, and, even, and this conscience immediately made them feel ashamed. They ran from God instead of to Him. They hid themselves. And even though those are negative things, it was necessary for them to understand that what they had done was wrong and that they needed a Savior, that they needed forgiveness. And that's what the conscience does. The conscience condemns us. Romans chapter 2, verse 15, it either accuses us or excuses us. So we've talked about that, but the conscience isn't a totally reliable guide. 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about you can sear your conscience. You can have an evil conscience. You can deaden yourself to your conscience. There's many scriptures that talk about it. So even though the conscience does work, and it's this, this intuitive knowledge of right and wrong, it can be overactive and condemn you on things you shouldn't be condemned about. It can also be under, underactive, if that is a proper word. It can get to where you aren't condemned about things that you should be condemned about. And it all goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where it says that they comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. Most people don't have a absolute standard of right and wrong. What they do is look at society, they look around, and they kind of take an average. They don't want to be the worst of anything. They don't want to be, uh, you know... Uh, living as bad as the worst people, but they, they just kind of take an average. And as long as they're close to that average, they feel like everything's okay. That's not true. And so how does God deal with this? One of the things that God did to make our conscience come back to the right standard is to give the law. The law made our conscience come alive. The terminology that's used in Romans chapter 7, it made sin come alive on the inside of us and gave us a knowledge of sin. Let me read some verses to you about this out of the book of Romans. And Paul, this is his masterpiece on the law. And he was showing what the purpose of the law was in Romans chapter 3. And in verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Did you know that this is contrary to our society today? Our society says that people are basically good, that we're all good, and that if you just gave people education and if you gave everybody some free money and if you did everything for them and stuff, then there wouldn't be any bad people. 
THE BIBLE SAYS IN JEREMIAH, IT SAYS THE HEART IS EVIL AND DESPERATELY WICKED ABOVE ALL THINGS. WHO THEN CAN KNOW IT? AND THERE'S SO MANY OTHER SCRIPTURES. YOU KNOW, DAVID SAID, IN SIN DID MY MOTHER CONCEIVE ME OUT OF PSALMS CHAPTER 51. AND HE WASN'T TALKING ABOUT THAT HE WAS CONCEIVED OUT OF WEDLOCK, BUT IT'S JUST SAYING THAT EVERY ONE OF US WERE BORN IN SIN. EPHESIANS CHAPTER 2 SAYS, WE WERE ALL BY NATURE THE CHILDREN OF WRATH, EVEN AS OTHERS, THAT WE HAD A SPIRIT OF DISOBEDIENCE WORKING IN US. YOU KNOW, WE WERE CREATED IN GOD'S IMAGE, BUT WE'VE ALL BEEN CORRUPTED. WE WERE ALL BORN WITH THE SIN NATURE, AND INSTEAD OF US BEING BASICALLY GOOD, MAN IS BASICALLY BAD. NOW, THERE IS A SPARK OF THE DIVINE IN EVERY PERSON. I BELIEVE THAT THERE IS A HUNGER IN EVERY PERSON FOR GOD, BUT IF YOU LEAVE PEOPLE TO THEMSELVES, THEY DO NOT DO GOOD, THEY DO BAD. WE NEED TO BE BORN AGAIN. THIS JUST UNDERSCORES WHY IT IS SO IMPORTANT TO HAVE A RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD. WE NEED OUR NATURE CHANGED. AND THIS IS WHAT JESUS SAID WHEN YOU... YOU HAVE TO BE BORN AGAIN. WE WERE BORN WITH A SINFUL NATURE. WE NEED TO HAVE A NEW BIRTH OR A BIRTH THAT IS FROM ABOVE WHERE WE ARE RECREATED. AND NOW FOR EVERY BORN AGAIN PERSON, THEY ARE BASICALLY GOOD. IN THEIR HEART, THEY HAVE BEEN CHANGED. AND THEY HAVE THE LOVE OF GOD SHED ABROAD IN THEIR HEART. BUT THIS IS DESCRIBING HOW MAN IS WITHOUT GOD. AND THIS IS WHAT THE LAW AMPLIFIED. THE LAW SHOWED US OUR SIN. IT GOES ON TO SAY THAT IN VERSE 13, IT SAYS, THEIR THROAT IS AN OPEN sepulcher. A sepulcher IS WHERE YOU PUT SOMEBODY WHO'S DEAD. OUR HEART WAS DEAD. IT WAS SEPARATED FROM GOD. OUR THROAT IS AN OPEN sepulcher. WITH THEIR TONGUES, THEY HAVE USED DECEIT. THE POISON OF ASP IS UNDER THEIR LIPS, WHOSE MOUTH IS FULL OF CURSING AND BITTERNESS. THEIR FEET ARE SWIFT TO SHED BLOOD. DESTRUCTION AND MISERY ARE IN THEIR WAYS, AND THE WAY OF PEACE THEY HAVE NOT KNOWN. THERE IS NO FEAR OF GOD BEFORE THEIR EYES. THAT IS MANKIND APART FROM THE INFLUENCE OF GOD'S HOLY SPIRIT ON THEIR LIFE. THIS IS DESCRIBING MAN. AND THEN IT GOES ON TO SAY IN VERSE 19, NOW WE KNOW THAT WHAT THINGS SOEVER THE LAW SAITH, IT SAITH TO THEM WHO ARE UNDER THE LAW. AND HERE'S THE PURPOSE OF THE LAW, THAT EVERY MOUTH MAY BE STOPPED AND ALL THE WORLD MAY BECOME GUILTY BEFORE GOD. NOW SEE, THIS IS DESCRIBING THE FUNCTION OF THE CONSCIENCE. THE CONSCIENCE IS WHAT GIVES US THIS KNOWLEDGE OF RIGHT AND WRONG, AND IT MAKES US CONDEMNED. IT EITHER ACCUSES US, THAT'S CONDEMNATION, OR EXCUSES US. IS WHAT ROMANS CHAPTER 2, VERSE 15 SAYS. SO THIS IS SAYING THAT HERE'S THE FUNCTION OF THE LAW. IT SAYS IT STOPS YOUR MOUTH, IT TAKES AWAY YOUR EXCUSES, ALL OF YOUR WAYS OF JUSTIFYING YOURSELF, AND IT MAKES YOU GUILTY BEFORE GOD. THE LAW PRODUCES GUILT. HOW DOES IT DO IT? BECAUSE IT ACTIVATES THE CONSCIENCE ON THE INSIDE OF IT. ACTUALLY, IT'S THE CONSCIENCE THAT IS PRODUCING THE GUILT. THE LAW IS JUST THE THING THAT QUICKENS IT. YOU KNOW, I'VE ACTUALLY READ THIS, THAT uh, ENDORPHINS IN THE HUMAN BODY ARE WHAT KILLS PAIN. AND I'VE EXPERIENCED THIS TO A DEGREE. I USED TO BE A JOGGER, AND I MEAN, I WOULD I'd RUN 15 MILES OR SOMETHING LIKE THAT, AND WHEN YOU STARTED OUT, YOU COULD HAVE A PAIN. YOU COULD BE SORE BECAUSE OF THINGS THAT YOU HAD DONE, BUT AFTER A WHILE, YOUR BODY GETS INTO THIS PLACE WHERE IT STARTS PRODUCING ENDORPHINS, AND IT'S A PAINKILLER, AND YOU JUST FEEL LIKE YOU COULD RUN FOREVER. I'VE EXPERIENCED THIS. I ALSO SAW THAT THEY SAID THAT THE ANIMAL THAT HAS THE MOST NATURAL ENDORPHINS IN THEIR BODY IS A CAMEL. 
AND I ACTUALLY HEARD A MAN SAY THAT YOU CAN STICK A KNIFE IN A CAMEL AND IT WILL BARELY FLINCH. YOU HAVE TO TURN IT OR MOVE IT OR SOMETHING BECAUSE THEY HAVE SUCH HIGH LEVELS OF ENDORPHINS IN THEIR BODY. AND THE POINT ABOUT THIS, THE POINT THAT THEY WERE MAKING IS THAT WHEN YOU TAKE DOPE LIKE MORPHINE OR SOMETHING, MORPHINE DOESN'T ACTUALLY KILL OR DEADEN PAIN. WHAT IT DOES IS STIMULATE YOUR BRAIN TO PRODUCE ENDORPHINS. IT'S YOUR BODY'S OWN ABILITY THAT KILLS PAIN, AND THESE DRUGS STIMULATE YOUR BODY TO PRODUCE THESE NATURAL PAINKILLERS. AND THE REASON I BRING THAT OUT IS TO SAY THAT YOU HAVE A CONSCIENCE, BUT IT CAN BE SKEWED, IT CAN BE LESSENED, IT CAN BE OVERACTIVE, in, INACTIVE, BUT WHEN THE LAW CAME, THE LAW MADE THIS CONSCIENCE ALL OF A SUDDEN START DOING ITS JOB. IT BROUGHT IT BACK TO THE PLACE WE WERE SUPPOSED TO, AND IT PRODUCED GUILT ON THE INSIDE OF YOU. THAT IS THE PURPOSE OF THE LAW. IN VERSE 20 IT SAYS, THEREFORE BY THE DEEDS OF THE LAW THERE SHALL NO FLESH BE JUSTIFIED IN HIS SIGHT, FOR BY THE LAW IS THE KNOWLEDGE OF SIN. THE LAW GAVE YOU KNOWLEDGE OF SIN. YOU KNOW, IF YOU WERE TO TURN OVER HERE TO ROMANS CHAPTER 7, LOOK AT SOME OF THE THINGS THAT THE APOSTLE PAUL SAID IN ROMANS CHAPTER 7, VERSE 7, IT SAYS, WHAT SHALL WE SAY THEN? IS THE LAW SIN? GOD FORBID. JUST BECAUSE THE LAW PRODUCED SOMETHING THAT IS UNPLEASANT, CONDEMNATION, GUILT, AND ALL OF THESE THINGS, IT'S NOT SIN. THERE WAS A RIGHT PURPOSE. PEOPLE NEED TO SEE THEIR SIN SO THAT THEY WILL TURN FROM TRUSTING IN THEMSELVES, RECOGNIZE WHAT THEY'RE DOING IS WRONG, AND THEY WILL REPENT OF IT AND TURN TO GOD. AND SO IS THE LAW SIN? GOD FORBID. NAY, I HAD NOT KNOWN SIN, BUT BY THE LAW, FOR I HAD NOT KNOWN LUST, EXCEPT THE LAW HAD SAID, THOU SHALT NOT COVET. BUT SIN, TAKEN OCCASION BY THE COMMANDMENT, WROUGHT IN ME ALL MANNER OF CONCUPISCENCE. THE WORD CONCUPISCENCE MEANS UNCONTROLLED, UNRESTRAINED, LUST, OR DESIRE. FOR WITHOUT THE LAW, SIN WAS DEAD. FOR I WAS ALIVE WITHOUT THE LAW ONCE, BUT WHEN THE COMMANDMENT CAME, SIN REVIVED AND I DIED, AND THE COMMANDMENT WHICH WAS ORDAINED TO LIFE I FOUND TO BE UNTO DEATH. FOR SIN, TAKEN OCCASION BY THE COMMANDMENT, DECEIVED ME, AND BY IT SLEW ME. MAN, THESE ARE AWESOME STATEMENTS. SO MY POINT IN BRINGING ALL OF THIS OUT IS TO SAY THAT GOD GAVE US A CONSCIENCE. WHEN ADAM AND EVE ate OF THE TREE OF EVIL, KNOWLEDGE OF GOOD AND EVIL, A CONSCIENCE CAME UNTO THEM, BUT IT IS NOT TOTALLY RELIABLE. IT CAN BE CHANGED. IT CAN, it can FLUCTUATE BASED ON ALL KINDS OF THINGS. AND SO GOD GAVE THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW TO BRING OUR CONSCIENCE BACK TO THE PLACE THAT HE INTENDED IT TO. AND IT BEGAN TO START CONDEMNING US AND SHOWING US OUR NEED FOR A SAVIOR. NOW, THERE WAS A PLACE FOR THAT. WE NEED TO KNOW THAT WE ARE FACING JUDGMENT UNLESS WE REPENT. WE ARE GUILTY IN THE SIGHT OF GOD. THAT IS A NECESSARY THING. IT'S A GOOD THING TO KNOW THAT. IT'S A GOOD THING FOR PEOPLE TO KNOW THAT THEY HAVE SINNED, THAT THEY'VE DONE WRONG. IT'S A POSITIVE THING. NOW, YOU CAN'T LIVE THERE. IF YOU LIVE WITH GUILT DAY AFTER DAY, WEEK AFTER WEEK, MONTH AFTER MONTH, YEAR AFTER YEAR, GUILT AND CONDEMNATION WILL DESTROY YOUR LIFE. GOD DIDN'T WANT US TO LIVE WITH THAT, BUT IT IS NECESSARY. YOU KNOW, IT'S SIMILAR TO IF YOU HAVE THE SENSE OF TOUCH AND YOU CAN FEEL PAIN. YOU KNOW, LET'S JUST SAY THAT THIS TABLE SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER WAS, was HOT 
And if I was just to put my hand on it and I wasn't even paying attention, before I have time to sit and think about it, before I have time to see my flesh burning and smoke coming up or smell something, I have this ability to touch. And the moment it touches something hot, man, I just pull my hand back without even thinking about it because you don't like pain. Pain is not pleasant, but pain serves a purpose. If you didn't have pain, you could put your hand on a stove and you could literally just get to where you destroy your hand and lose the use of it before you recognized what was going on. But because of pain, you can react quickly. Did you know that condemnation, guilt, offense, a sense of shame and fear of punishment, it's not pleasant. God didn't originally want us to have this, but it serves a purpose in a fallen world. And when we go out and do something wrong, our conscience convicts us. Matter of fact, you know, in the eighth chapter of the book of John, let me just turn over and read this to you. This is where Jesus uh, had this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery brought to him. And the people wanted him to stone her to death because that's what the Old Testament law said should be done. But Jesus was wanting to extend mercy but he couldn't just say, well, it doesn't matter if you go commit adultery because it was sin and they were living under the law. The New Testament was not in effect at this time. So they thought they had Jesus. If he let this woman go, he was going to be breaking the law and these Pharisees could have by the law condemned him to death. But if he condemned her and judged her and stoned her to death the way that the law said to do it, well, then all of the people who were drawn to him because of his teaching on mercy would leave him and say, well, he's a hypocrite. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, function in what he's talking about. So they thought they had him either way he went. So what Jesus did when they first brought her to Jesus and said, you know, Moses commanded that she be stoned to death. What do you say? At first, he acted like he didn't even hear him and he just bent over and wrote something on the ground. And they kept asking him. And finally, here's what uh, Jesus did in verse 8. This is John 8, 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the least. Their conscience, Jesus used their conscience to show them that they weren't worthy. He had said this. He says, uh, let him that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And he wrote something on the ground. We don't know what it was. I've talked to some people that believe it was that woman's name written in the sand. I don't know. The Bible didn't say so. I don't know. But I do believe that he wrote something that God used to convict them. Their own conscience convicted them is what it says here in verse 9. I believe it's probably more uh, accurate that what he wrote in the sand was something about them that was used to uh, allow their conscience to convict and condemn them that they were unworthy to judge this woman. You know, this is total speculation on my part, but he could have written down the name of their mistress. <laughs> Jesus showed that these Pharisees were hypocrites, that they said one thing and did another. He, you know, it could have been that they all had their own prostitute or their mistress and he just wrote their name and maybe put that name with their name or who knows? We don't know what it was, but whatever he did, their conscience convicted them. And Jesus used this to keep them from stoning 
THIS WOMAN TO DEATH. AND SO GOD USES OUR CONSCIENCE TO SHOW US THAT WHAT RIGHT DO WE HAVE TO JUDGE OTHER PEOPLE? YOU KNOW, I JUST... WELL, I'M NOT EVEN GOING TO GO THERE. I JUST READ SOMETHING TODAY. I'M NOT GOING TO TALK ABOUT IT. BUT SOME OF THESE PEOPLE WHO ARE BLAMING OTHERS, ONE OF THEM THAT WAS SO VOCAL AND HAD ONE MAN JUST, I MEAN, HUMILIATED. AND HE WAS WRONG, AND HE SHOULD HAVE BEEN HUMILIATED, BUT SHE JUST SHOWED HIM AS BEING THIS SEXIST PERSON THAT HAD ABUSED HER AND DONE ALL OF THESE THINGS TO HER. IT JUST CAME OUT TODAY THAT SHE PAID $380,000 TO A YOUNG INTERN THAT SHE SEXUALLY <laughs> ABUSED. SHE WAS JUST AS GUILTY AS ANYBODY ELSE. HER CONSCIENCE, SEE, SHOULD SMITE... For, INSTEAD OF HER SITTING HERE AND TALKING ABOUT ONE PERSON AND CALLING ABOUT WHAT A TERRIBLE PERSON HE WAS, WHEN SHE WAS GUILTY OF THE EXACT SAME THING, HER CONSCIENCE SHOULD HAVE SMITTEN HER. BUT IN OUR SOCIETY TODAY, WE HAVE uh, GIVEN PEOPLE PASSES AND WE'VE DONE THINGS IN ANY WAY. I, I ASSUME HER CONSCIENCE DID SMITER. THAT'S THE REASON SHE PAID THE HUSH MONEY OR SHE WOULDN'T HAVE WANTED THIS TO COME OUT. AND JESUS USED THIS EXACT SAME THING TO SHOW THESE PEOPLE. YOUR CONSCIENCE IS THE PART OF YOU THAT CONDEMNS YOU AND ACCUSES YOU, SHOWS YOU THAT YOU'VE DONE THINGS WRONG. IT IS NOT PLEASANT, BUT IT SERVES A PURPOSE. AND GOING BACK TO THESE VERSES I WAS READING IN ROMANS CHAPTER 3, THE CONSCIENCE, uh, THE LAW MADE YOUR CONSCIENCE COME ALIVE AND SHOWED YOU THAT YOU WERE GUILTY BEFORE GOD. IT GAVE YOU A KNOWLEDGE OF SIN. AND DID YOU KNOW THAT BOTH OF THOSE THINGS ARE NECESSARY? BEFORE YOU CAN RECEIVE FORGIVENESS, YOU'VE GOT TO UNDERSTAND THAT YOU NEED FORGIVENESS. YOU KNOW, THE BIBLE SAYS IN ROMANS CHAPTER 4 THAT JESUS DIED FOR THE UNGODLY. UNLESS YOU ARE UNGODLY, JESUS' ATONEMENT WON'T DO ANYTHING FOR YOU. IF YOU THINK THAT SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER YOU'RE SO GOOD THAT YOU DON'T NEED JESUS, THAT YOU CAN GET SAVED ON YOUR OWN GOODNESS, YOU'LL GO STRAIGHT TO HELL. YOU HAVE TO COME TO A PLACE OF RECOGNIZING YOUR UNGODLINESS AND REPENTING OF IT AND TURNING TO THE LORD. NOW, HE DOESN'T WANT YOU TO LIVE A LIFE OF CONSTANT UNGODLINESS. AND ONE OF THE SAD FACTS IS THAT THE CHURCH HAS PREACHED THE LAW, HAS CONDEMNED PEOPLE OVER THEIR SINS, WHICH, AGAIN, THERE IS A PLACE FOR THAT, BUT they, WHEN THEY GET BORN AGAIN, THEY DON'T MINISTER THE FORGIVENESS. THEY DON'T TEACH THEM HOW TO CLEANSE THEIR CONSCIENCE, THAT THEY ARE NOW UNDER A NEW COVENANT, AND SO MANY CHRISTIANS ARE STILL LIVING WITH A SIN CONSCIOUSNESS which Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2 says, we should have no more conscience of sin. I'm just laying a foundation that I want to get on to the good things about how to cleanse your conscience and how to live free of guilt and free of shame and all of this. But before I can do that, you've got to understand what's going on, why we came under this guilt and condemnation, and understand that there is a purpose for it, especially for those who have not made Jesus their Lord. I'm going to talk about this more tomorrow out of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 9. But there is a purpose of the law. We still should have the law. I believe that the Ten Commandments are a godly thing to display in our government buildings and in our schools and things like this. And I know that there's some people that have grabbed hold of the grace of God that may say, well, man, that's not true. Well, it's not true for the believer, but for the non-believer, there is a purpose of the law. It is good if a man uses it lawfully. 
Welcome to the AWM Minute, a sneak peek on how our friends and partners are changing lives around the world. Imagine serving a God who is looking for a reason to strike you down. This is the God Virginia learned about in church. I never went to ball games, never went to a bowling alley, never did anything because they were called worldly things and that people would sway us and lead us to hell. Virginia's world was turned upside down when she accidentally came across Andrew's Gospel Truth program and heard for the first time about God's unconditional love and grace. After getting a hold of Andrew's free teachings, Virginia's life has been completely changed, and now she lives every day enjoying the richness of a relationship with Jesus. I think each day God takes another chain off of me, the chains of bondage that were, that were binding me. And Virginia's story is just one example of the lives changed through the support of our friends and partners. To see Virginia's full story, visit awmi.net today. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Let me mention once again that I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study on the conscience. It wasn't God that told Adam he was naked. It wasn't the devil. It was his conscience, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I not only have the book, but I have CDs, and I also have DVDs that were taken from our television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really, really help you to have a confidence and an assurance and a boldness with God. So listen to our announcer as he gives you information how you can receive this product. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. Our lives were turned right side up when we came to an Andrew Womack event back in 2006. Our daughter Hannah was just given two weeks to live, but at that conference she was prayed for and praise God she was miraculously healed and she's 100% well to this day. Since Hannah was healed, we found that there have been many people that have been healed at Andrew's events. It's not a question of will he heal you, he's already healed you. I mean, Andrew just gives it to you like it is. And every time I leave one of these conferences, I am changed for the better. Every single time there is a revelation that he shares with us that God has given him that I make sure I make it my own. When you attend a Gospel Truth Conference, you're going to be inspired by powerful praise and worship with Charlie and Jill LeBlanc and Andrew teaching the life-changing Word of God. There are prayer ministers there as well. Join Andrew and special guests at a Gospel Truth Conference near you. Go to awmi.net slash conferences for more information.
Thanks to the friends and partners of Andrew Womack Ministries, Karis Bible College is raising up more disciples than ever before on the sanctuary property. But what if you can't make it to Colorado? Being a stay-at-home mom with three kids, it would not be possible for me to pack up and move to Colorado. I knew God wanted me to go to Bible College. I made up my mind and said to God, I said, I know I'm going, whether it's Colorado or wherever. Is there an option for you? With over 70 campus locations around the world, there is a place for you to begin your journey. If that seed's there and you've got something close to you like we do here, you've got to go for it. More than likely, God's already speaking to you about going to Karis Bible College. You just need to make the step. You will never, ever regret going to an extension school. It will change your life forever. Join the Karis community of like-minded believers by discovering a campus location near you at karisbiblecollege.org.